Identity Talk. I'm your host, Jana Lopez. Thank you for sharing your time with me. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about uncovering meaning about who we are and how we come to see ourselves. Words and identity are my life. I'm the author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. I teach online writing workshops called Write About Now and offer one-on-one transformative coaching sessions that break you through to deeper clarity and connection with yourself through a guided process I call See-Through Words. When it comes to navigating identity funky junk, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope mixed with humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. My guest with me today on Identity Talk is Lisa Schroeder. And oftentimes when I ask people to come on the show, there's reasons why. And for Lisa, I would say the reasons why is because I've seen how she continues to show up in the world, being herself, giving herself, sharing herself, and the influence of who she is ripples out over and over again in so many ways. She is a chef of an amazing restaurant in Portland, Oregon that's internationally known called Mother's Bistro, which is to die for. (laughs) (laughs) So good. But I'm going to tell my my why Lisa on the show story. When we go to her house for, we've been for various parties that she's hosted and I pull up to her house and she's busy. She owns a restaurant. She's out in the world doing things, but she has a gazillion plants and they're all beautiful and thriving. And I think who the fuck has time? Lisa does not have time, but she has the love. And it's apparent when you pull up into her house and see not just outdoor plants, there are plants inside all over And that to me is my experience of how love shows up in Lisa's life, that even if she's got 75 things going on, plants are thriving and happy. Don't you think that says a lot about somebody? I do. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) You didn't? Oh, come on. It's about my plants. Who knows? I mean, your plants are stunning. They all look happy. They, they take a lot of work. I do do a lot of work and I do a lot of watering and loving and moving and schlepping and rearranging and uh, feeding. Yes, they get a lot of love. They do. As do most of the beings in my life, if I have anything to say for it. And I think that's why you mentioned my plants. Yes. And talk about the idea of love and loving people in your life, because how do you balance having this life of constant demand and pressure? And I have friends who own restaurants and you have a huge, busy, we're just going to talk pre-COVID for a moment. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Your restaurant was a mainstay for presidents and rock stars and actors and, you know, people know to go to mothers, but it was always bustling and lines waiting and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, so how did you find time to make room for loving 
in the way that you love when your life had so many time commitments and expectations? Well, I have a friend, Liz Ludwig, who always comes up with really pearls of sayings. And um, one of them is, you want something done, ask a busy person. And usually that's true. The, the busy people are the ones that, and I'm one of them. I mean, I'll talk, I'll just speak for myself. I mean, I don't get a lot of sleep. I'm really good with six hours. So that's the first step. You can't get a lot done and sleep a lot. Now, my husband worries to death and he says, you're not sleeping like a normal person and they recommend eight hours. And I swear up and down, I am rested, I'm good, I'm fine with six hours. So that's, that's the first thing. But um, I do have a lot on my plate and I have a very difficult time of saying no. And it's only in like, I think maybe as I, when I went over 60, I began to start to realize I can say no. But more often than not, if somebody comes to me with a problem, a situation, an issue, or I see something that I can impact, I just can't help but uh, getting involved and trying to do something. So um, I live to nurture and I, you know, nurture not only my restaurant guests and my staff and my husband and my for grandchildren and um, but uh, a lot of a lot of other people too and um, I it's I was why I think I was put on this earth and causes I mean I would be march I would be right there on the on the front line uh, marching with the mothers if it weren't for COVID but I am over sixty and I and I'm always marching I did the women's march I did the science march and I would be there marching too um, but I feel like it's a little risky for me right now. Um, but no, I believe, uh, I believe that we, every single person can have an impact. I really believe that each and every one of us can have an impact. And some people don't even try because they feel so helpless. And the difference, I guess, between me and some other people might be is I think, I believe that I can make the impact and I take the steps and, uh, and do what I can to change my, the things in my little world. Do you recognize that as one of your qualities like when you think of who you are in the world would you say that you show up for people and believe you can make a difference would that be like in your top tier of who lisa is well you know i don't know but now that you've said it maybe i did never thought of myself that way i don't know how what i how i would describe myself but i think that is something that's true absolutely well, you love to nourish, so the food is important and it's delicious, but you love you love people being happy with yes. food. And I think I I think I strive to be liked, I think is another thing. I mean, let's face it, there must, I mean we all want to be loved. And I think by loving others, I hope I too will I will might get a little love back. Maybe that's you know a deeper a deeper thing there, you know, that's actually but. very insightful. You know, I mean, I don't think I've had, I've had a lot of conversations. I don't know that anybody's ever put it quite like that, but that's actually quite insightful. And I don't really, I don't really expect much in return. In fact, you know, like I give to my grandchildren unconditionally and sometimes somebody will say, well, did you get a thank you? And maybe and often I don't, but uh, not from the little ones, the twins are, uh, are I've eight year old twins that are very grateful but uh, the el the elders who are teenagers maybe not so much, and so. But I don't expect that in return. I just do, and I give, 
And I just really believe that if you give in this world, it'll come back to you. Maybe not, you can't identify how or when, but it will come back to you. And I've had that proven time and again, that um, just by giving, um, you do well. So give me an example of one time when maybe you... It just happened, actually. This just happened. When COVID hit, you know, Mother's was open for three months trying to do takeout and um, delivery. And um, we were not doing well at all. And after like month two, I really wanted to close. But my staff kept on saying, let's keep trying. Let's keep trying. We'll stay open until they open for dine-in. And once the protests hit, my staff couldn't even get to work. And they were concerned every day, how are we going to get here and whatever. And at that point, I said, okay, what are we doing this for? It's not for, it's not for money. And it's not, you know, there's, and people didn't need me. I mean, I thought we should be open because just in case people needed Jewish penicillin, chicken soup, I wanted to be open and available. I would run it anywhere. But thank God we had flattened the curve at the time. Anyway, the staff couldn't get to work with the protest, so I just finally decided to close temporarily. And when I did, um, after about a week, I remembered that a guest of mine who had been coming to me for 20 years who I said over the years, and we're not necessarily great friends, but every time they come in, there's, you know, a hello, or we'll give them a piece of cake, or, um, and I became friends with his wife on Facebook, and when you're on Facebook, you kind of learn about other people, um, whether you want to or not, and I did one time, I mean, I love Facebook, and it's good for me that way. Anyway, his wife had said to me one time, you know, if ever you want to get away and use our beach house, I just want to let you know that we'd be happy to let you use it, and, um, the week after I closed the restaurant, I the light went off above my head and I said, wow, this woman had offered me her beach house. I'm going to take her up on it. And, you know, I'm not one to ask for anything and I'm rarely one to accept gifts. But in this case, I really did uh, make the phone call and say, hey, were you sincere? Is, did you mean it? And can we use it next week? And uh, the answer was yes to both. And uh, so... That was an example of a guest who who I've fed for the last 20 years, just has felt the love over the last 20 years, and had this beautiful beach house that they gave to us unconditionally, no worry, no concern, you know, and asking for nothing in return. And it was such a great gift to, to be able to share that with my family for a week. How are you feeling with having space in your day, not that you don't have shit to do and not that you're not filling it up, but without the frenetic pace of constant, because I do have friends in the restaurant business and I would say for the first week or two, it was the most disconcerting, weird twilight zone (laughs) experience. But by week three, they were like, fuck, I could get used to this. You know, there were times I've looked out in the mother's dining room and said, oh my God, what is this monster I've created? I mean, I can't. How will we, how are we going to maintain this space? How are we going to keep this up? Is this tenable? How do you go on? I've often looked in the dining room and asked myself that. And then COVID. And I, I don't tell anybody. I will not. <laughs> I promise. It's loving it. I mean, I am <laughs> loving it. I love it. I am so happy. I am so uh, much calmer. And for the most part, I can be a human being and have a conversation with somebody instead of, although still like my, my friends laugh because when they text me, it's like one word answers, you know, can I say, yes, can I do it? Yes. But, um, 
but you know, more often than not, back in the day, I I didn't have time. Imagine, you know, I'm raising twins, I'm running my restaurant, I'm volunteering, I'm I have a husband, I'm doing these things, and you know, people would often taking take care my, of plants. <laughs> yeah, taking care of my hundred plants, and you know, it was I didn't have a sprinkler until like three years ago. I moved around a sprinkler on a property. It was silly. And she lives in a jungle, people. <laughs> that's untenable. I don't light a fire with rocks. Right. I was. I have really learned to slow down and appreciate it. And I. I know my staff, my fellow people that I work with in the restaurant are equally so grateful to have this time to. Um, reflect, to breathe, to assess, to see where we are, to step back. And admittedly, I mean, I, I, I haven't gone into the restaurant for a week. I'm, I feel so good to like just divest for a minute. You look amazing. I mean, I was oh, telling you right you. before we came on, I mean, I have never seen you look so I don't want to say peaceful, but I but, see, I see the restness of yeah. your being. It's, it's really there. And I'm, I'm raising the twins. I mean, I have them Monday through Friday, although today I've got a day off. And that is a full-time job. Anybody will tell you, you know, raising kids, going to work is a vacation. But um, it's still nothing um, equal to doing all, juggling all those balls that I have been for um, not 20, but 30 or 40 years. So I'm really, I'm really loving and appreciating the downtime. And just like you, I feel like, you know, one can flourish in the midst of the darkness. And a lot of it is a decision we make for ourselves and how we want to handle it and how we want to view it. And we can look at it as an opportunity rather than a crisis to sit and get things done. So that's where I am with that. I'm loving it. Funny. I know a lot of people and I, uh, this is the disclaimer for everybody out there who's struggling. I feel your losses. I feel your pain. I understand that I'm very compassionate. I understand we don't know what's going to happen. I understand there's uncertainty and political uncertainty. (laughs) I get it. Dystopia, right? But I will say on the flip side, I do know people who have seen this as an amazing blessing who are doing huge things with and for themselves in ways they never gave themselves permission to. I can go through the list and I know plenty of couples and women and men who have had dreams they didn't even know they had. They were so tired and walking around like zombies just trying to keep up. And there has been amazing flourishing that I've seen and creativity too going on around me. So acknowledging that for some it's dark, for some it's light, wherever you are is where you are. But absolutely. But I'm glad to hear that in your situation, given how hard you've worked, you've had a, a chance to breathe. Because what more is there in this life? And not only that, it's not like I have a choice. Okay. Right. I have to accept the things I cannot change. Right. Okay. So uh, this is something I cannot change. My restaurant is closed and it will be closed temporarily until it's safe to reopen. And I cannot change that. So as dark and awful and glum and, gl- and gloomy and are my life prospects, um, I could focus on that or I can say there's this present time and this is what I have and how can I make this moment a positive moment? So. Um, yes, I acknowledge, dude, I'm not talking about all the negative, but I'm, right. I find, I'm the kind of person that finds a silver lining 
in, in everything, no matter what I go through. And part of it is, and I don't know, this is more of a question without the restaurant beckoning every second of your mind space and your heart space and your life space and your relationship space. Have you had a chance to think about who you are as you're just sitting with hanging out and doing you? Do you does, does anything come forward like that's interesting or I didn't know that before? Or... I've always known, and this is an affirmation of what a social person I am and how much I miss. I mean, I go to a party every day going to the restaurant and talking to my guests and then, you know, I have parties when I'm not even having the parties at my restaurant. <laughs> so, I mean, my life is a party. I love people. When I wrote my book, I found it the most torturous pro- project because I was me, myself, and my computer. I, I hated just being with my computer, and I really love people. So the affirmation is just something that um, now that we, we now are allowing uh, for a couple to come over in social distance, PSIOU and Mark and Invite, and we've started doing that, and we are like doing it every, you know, every week and every other day, and just um, one-on-one, nobody brings anything, it's everything BYOB, so I can't get into the hospitality, I can't have to worry about cooking, I don't have to worry about a drink. It is down, reduced down to its essence. That's lovely. And that's what we're finding with COVID is we're reducing down to the most essence of our life, our home, the people we are with. And um, I have always known that relationships are the most important thing. It's not a physical, it's not a, a possession. They're, my goodness, we spend our whole life trying to gather possessions and half our life trying to get rid of the possessions we gather. It's not about that. It's about the relationships we have with people, the meaningful conversations, and um, that leads to growth. So I, I, the affirmation has been I'm a social person, and I love to be with people and my husband. And he's and, awesome. Um, I mean, I, who would not want to hang out with Rob? I mean, he's amazing. He's fun, he and is. he's good, and he's he kind, is. and he's interesting. Yes. And he's yes. smart. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so I, nothing um, – Earth-shattering, except that I guess I really can be still, and I don't have to move around like a, a, a jumping bean, doing things every minute, getting things done, and I literally can maybe take an hour and just sit and be by my little backyard and look at the plants that I nourish every day. You know what? That's an important thing to know, and maybe you wouldn't have ever known that. I, right. mean, I think that's a huge right. thing to know that you're in there, the peaceful <laughs> can sit and not be a jumping bean. Lisa exists in the world and she's pretty cool, right? Not she's chill. <laughs> she can take a nosh and some, you know, wine or a little tequila, hang out in the yard. Oh girl, you know, I'm a weed girl. I know, but I just wondered, well, I know, I just wondered if there was any beverage. Well, actually, if I'll drink any alcohol, it'll be a very, very dirty martini with lots of okay. bottles. There I, yeah. yeah. But that, that, it's really rare. I would rather just not. It just does not affect me the way it affects others. Right. Hanging out, have a gummy <laughs> in the yard, chilling. Yeah. This is great. Just Chill. don't start growing dreadlocks because then there's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the reggae music from here, like, you know, down the street. <laughs> always, always, so always play. With, with all of the business changes and the understanding of the relationships in your life, have you even had a chance to think about what 
things could look like when they start to whatever normalize means because I don't even know if we're ever going to find that or get that and I think that's just a pipe dream actually I think it's a pretty frightening prospect if we want to be realistic about it yeah um remember let's remember the plague lasted five centuries and while everybody thinks you know we're all that and we can come up with a vaccine toot sweet you know there's still no vaccine for AIDS right so everybody um i know humans their attention span is short and we are very and you know i don't want to be debbie downer and i said i'm an optimistic kind of gal but running a business i have to be realistic yes and uh my realistic my glasses say this is definitely not and nothing's going to happen really much before the end of the year i don't see this going away um, I, my reopening date is a moving target. I say September 1st today. And then if the COVID, COVID crisis keep, uh, cases keep increasing, then I'm going to say October 1st. I'll move it to November 1st. I will not open in the middle of this pandemic. Right. I, don't, I just will not. But, you know, there, Wells Fargo Bank, for example, doesn't plan to bring their people back into their offices until January. Right. Most people aren't coming back in town. My prospects are very bleak at Mother's right now, okay? Yep. Nobody's going to run downtown to, uh, to uh, go back to their offices, right? You'd say at least a minimum of 50% of the people are staying at home and working now and probably forevermore. So that our lunch business has forever changed. Um, our breakfast business, nobody's traveling now, nobody's getting on a plane, so tourism is ground to a halt. Who eats breakfast during the week? Tourists. Right. So we, our breakfast business is gone. Dinner. Well, we can't be open past 10, so there's, there's no real bar business. And with dinner, um, nobody's coming downtown because there's very few apartments downtown. You know, one of the things about, well, sadly, about a lot of cities is there aren't a lot of tenants. People eat, tend to eat dinner in their neighborhoods unless they're going to the theater, a movie, a show, right. um, or a sports event. Well, none of that is happening. That's interesting. So, I hadn't correlated all of those dots, but it right. makes sense. So, exactly. So I will not open until at least phase two. Uh, we will not reopen Mother's. Phase one does nothing for us. Outside tables are meaningless in this climate, plus the city streets stink. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know. Um, the last time you sat outside, but sometimes, you know, putting uh, tables over a street that doesn't drain is not exactly um, appetizing. So it's uh, honestly, things do not look great, but I plan that mothers will reopen when it's time. I just can't predict when that will be. And it will be a very different, very different phase face when we reopen i mean we've already diminished our tables by 50 percent. we already have six uh, feet of space between every table we already removed all of our bar stools the place is set up and ready to go but i will not uh turn the key until it's safe for my staff and everybody to get back to work and it is nowhere near there yeah i mean that's i think the interesting and i use that in air quotes because there's no other word to even begin to describe the magnitude of confusion and uncertainty. But it is interesting to watch and see how many people are, the ways they're reacting to what they think is going to solve the problems, but they have no idea of how the dots do connect. Like the way you put everything together clearly shows 
that it's not an easy solution and it's a complicated problem, but everybody seems to have an answer, <laughs> especially on Facebook. You know, they're going to tell you in three sentences yeah. with a hashtag how to solve the whole problem. Well, and it's just interesting, you know, there's some businesses that are clamoring to reopen and I don't know why. People are not clamoring to go to them. Yeah, I think it's fear. I think it's fear. I mean, honestly, I think it's fear. I think people are afraid of disappearing forever. They're afraid if they don't hold on tight enough. But isn't that what we do every day in our lives? We hold on to what we think we know because that's what keeps us in the illusion that we have some measure of control. And, you know, and as you know, things have happened even in your life. And I, and I want to talk about your daughter, something, you know, things happen to where you, you could never, ever predicted or imagined or couldn't, your mind could never go there. Right. So the idea of control is bullshit, but it's what we do. So I think people that are trying to hang on and say, let's open it's, it's to me, it feels like that, but I could be wrong. Who's to say, who's to say <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who's to say? Know. Who knows? Who knows? So what about summer let's you're hanging out with the twins they're eight now yeah how is that possible you're old boys how is that possible that they're eight already yeah i want them to be 18 already i'm done (laughs) (laughs) no um no i adore them actually and i'm very thankful that they are such good boys they are truly good kids and i don't know if uh, there's a Yiddish word, Vildechayas, if I had crazy kids running around, I don't know what I would do, but these boys are really wonderful and they, they listen well and they're sweet and they're kind. And, um, but their boys will be boys. So it's camp Strample. You know, we try to do fun things with them and entertain them. And, you know, it's challenging. And I had a friend who called me the other day. She was watching two kids for her neighbor, a four-year-old and eight-year-old. And she called me at 10. She goes, what do you do with them for nine hours? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's daunting. It is daunting. Especially if you care enough that they don't spend time on the screen every minute. Because if left to their own devices, literally, I could just put them with an iPad and never and not see them for the next eight hours. But right. I won't do that. I will not do that. How, how have they adjusted with the changes in their life? And, you know, do you ever feel like at a loss of how you're going to help fill in those gaps or explain or comfort or offer something when you're going through your own grief and like what does that look like to to take on your daughter's children i they don't usually see my grief too often um i grieve before they wake up or when they're in bed but um they have like one of them julian has said some things to me that just um one night he was going to bed and out of the blue he said, you know, it feels like without mommy, I'm missing half my heart. Mm. Half my heart. You hear an angel say half his heart is gone. It's it's heartbreaking. So I um I just try to fill the hole that is left by the absence of their mother as much as I can. Yeah. I fill it with as much love and I touch them and I hug them and I love on them and I know I never will. There will be nothing that will take the place of their mother. Um, but it is my mission to at least help um, quell the pain um, as much as I can and as long as they'll have it. How long has it been? And do you want to share a little bit about what happened? It's been four years. She died on May 1st. My daughter was is a, was a is was a mother of four. They went on a family hike on a Sunday and... Uh, they went to, there was too much traffic to get to Multnomah Falls, so they decided to go to Horsetail Falls. And she had, um, the, she had her 
eight teenage grand, uh, children with her and then her twins who were four at the time. Kids weren't teenagers at the time. It was four years ago. One is now 15 and the other 16. They were holding the twins on their shoulders and took the twins down when they got to a certain point. And Oliver, one of them, um, moved close to the edge and the edge started to crumble. And Stephanie, and he started and he went down, fell down the edge. And my daughter just could not help but run and try to grab him and save his life. And she fell too. And um, she, he survived and somebody grabbed him and threw him in my, his sister's lap like she was nearby and um, gave Oliver to his sister Bella. But um, my daughter, who went all the way down, did not survive and died there. So, um, yeah, it was uh, very hard and obviously uh, horrible. And thankfully, Ollie, Oliver is okay. I mean, all we can do is on the outside witness of these things and feel helpless and wish for the right words and know that these waves of grief and the measure of losing anybody you love defines you in new ways that you can never begin to describe because we see ourselves in relation to who's in our life. And that's something that I talk about in my book, Me, Myself, and I, is how do you begin to formulate a sense of self or identity when it was so contingent on <laughs> the relationship that's there that has changed through a number of things, disease or death or divorce or, or whatever. But I think that the one with the, with the death aspect of it is hard because part of us absolutely goes with it, dies too. And, you know, I've seen it and it feels like, um, and, and in that time you were busy, you were trying to manage your business and take care of everybody. And it seems like it's a lot to, to shoulder in a very, very short time. Well, you know, um, when my mother died, my daughter was only four months old. So I couldn't even really mourn my mother. And when my father died, you know, there was some other thing in life that kept me from being able to mourn my father. And when Stephanie died, we had twin four-year-olds to take care of, as well as her older children, who at the time were, you know, six, and, uh, I mean, um, 10 and 12 or something around there. So, I mean, we, I was thrust into action, as I always am. And that's the way I deal with life. I right. don't sit back and get catatonic. I just spring into action. So I'm great at comp compartmentalization and I just realized that it is my job to raise these boys. And even though there's a dad, it's a different, you know, it's a different dynamic. There's nothing like a mother. And um, the other grandmother also helps a lot. So it really does matter. But ultimately, I feel that they're, the future of these children lies on my shoulders. And so when I love them, I love my daughter. When I take care of them, I take care of my daughter and I feel that there's one, some words I can hear my daughter saying to me is take care of my kids, take care of my kids. If you do anything for me, take care of my kids. And so somehow she lives on through them. When I look in my grandson's eyes and I'm seeing her. So in a weird way, like she's like really living on through them. And for me, that, that is what's getting me through this. I can I can feel it when you say it. Yeah. And maybe parts of those times are going to be even more evident now because you can be present 
to be with them. So you might get for the the pain of it, but you might get the joy of it too. You know, know, to be honest, being a mother was probably 99% bad and 1% great. And being a grandmother to these boys is, I would say it's, it's 90% great and 1% bad. It's yeah. It wasn't something I planned in my life. God knows I did not plan to be a mother twice in one lifetime. Right. Um, but again, you know, like they say, you know, when something's done, ask a busy person and God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And he knows I can handle a lot and he just keeps thrusting it on me. So okay bring it on i got it it's all the lovely jewish adages of (laughs) all the things we've heard around the matzo ball soup conversations (laughs) at least in my house my grandmother would always have these i don't want to say pithy and as in dismissive but she had these one-line zingers of of morsels for me to like grow up and take and internalize oh yeah (laughs) god does you more than you can handle right. with one of them well i was told by my mother children should be seen and not heard so imagine living with that until you're uh, 20 i couldn't because <laughs> you're so vocal i didn't <laughs> shut up not why you are the way you are but certainly it's grateful that you are the way you are because look at look at what you get to share yeah. with everybody and i've seen you at the tables i've seen you sharing the stories i've seen you giving the love to the customers and to the people that come in and the smile and I've gotten the complimentary cake and, you know, I've been part of that on the other end. And it's such a lovely experience of home being there in your restaurant. Well, you're in my dining room. It's literally my dining room. It's, it's mine. Well, I don't own the building, but, um, and so you are my guest and, uh, it gives me nachos. It gives me joy to give and, uh, (laughs) and to see the joy that it brings. So on the total superficial side of the world, people have been passing time and engaging in all sorts of new endeavors during this new world we're living in. So have there been any shows that you've watched that have been guilty pleasures, any new creative hobbies you've picked up that you'd almost be embarrassed to share? Is there anything that you're like, this is the COVID thing you're going to feel guilty about. And oh, man, later. I wish, you know what? Again, life uh, foists things on me. And we had a flood a year ago in our kitchen, which then flooded down to our guest bedroom in the basement. And we've lived with a torn up kitchen and basement for the last year. So finally, with COVID, I have enough time to manage the remodel. So I've now become, you know, over the last three years, I've been working on moving my restaurant and shopping everything for that. Yep. So now I have a whole new project. And as much joy as it brings is as much, oh, as much frustration as it brings. And But um, I'm doing a lot of shopping right now online, you know, for bathroom vanities and for tile and for what the lighting. And so that's really taking up a lot of my time, a lot. And then... Once we finish the basement, then I have to start um, figuring everything out for the kitchen. And I've always joked, you know, because I've planned to remodel my kitchen for every year that I've been in this house. And now 20 years later, it's the same kitchen from 94. And thank God I have a kitchen and I'm not complaining. But, you know, as a chef to have a a four burner electric stove where one of the burners doesn't work, it's a little (laughs) bit frustrating. You can imagine. So um, <laughs> I can't stand it. I have that in my house and I hate it. I fucking hate it. So for the first time in my life, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. 
for me to have this project to focus on. So I am really very busy with that. And um, the other thing is, is just trying to then put everything away in my house and, you know, go through stuff after many years of relationships and being in the same house for a relationship and being in the same house for 20 years, it's time to call things. So we're just cleaning out closets and doing what everybody else has been doing for the last three months. I just got to start it. So I'm, I'm doing that right now. Vis-a-vis -vis TV, I am not a big TV watcher. I can't watch life go by. I am in it. I live it. I don't watch much of it, but um, if I watch anything, it's humor. And so uh, Schitt's Creek was a favorite, but now we can't get it until October. So I've seen everything up until the last season. And then um, I let Rob pick. You know, I'm into documentaries, and we watch the one, you know, I've seen, you know, Get Me Roger Stone, and then the Roy Con thing. And so you can really see all the, the dots connecting on how, man, this guy is. And then the Russian connection. So we've been watching a lot of docs. I find that really great. And then uh, Paw Patrol has been really fun. <laughs> I watch Paw Patrol and Poppy Dog Pals with my boys. That's my guilty pleasure. Poppy Dog Pals. If you're, can you sing the theme song? <laughs> yeah, I can, but you don't want me to. I took all my, my singing money and put it into cooking. I mean, the things that you end up doing and finding yourself engaged in. And I know I've seen you cooking with them. You've taught, you're teaching them. You cook tomato yes. passion and you cook cookies. You do all kinds of baking and cooking projects with them. And that's a great way to teach them how to measure and do math and math up. So yeah, we do, uh, we do do cooking together. I'm very, but the problem is I'm always in my robe. And so I never, I don't really post that much because <laughs> I'm like, I look terrible. And you know, I, I really, I can't, you know, it's so funny, like here I have all this time, but I don't take the time to get myself dolled up to do a cooking video. I'll just kind of slap it and take a video and throw it up for my friends on Facebook. You know, you'd think with all this time, you'd have all this time, but I don't know about you that every day it, it's gone. And I wish like I got 10 more things accomplished. I mean, the COVID fashion show, I want to do something that would be a fun behind the scenes reality yeah. type thing to do COVID fashions and, you know, all the grown out hair yep. and what you brows and shit nails and mustaches. No, there's another thing. I, if I could sing it, I would, but it's like I, I wrote this song called COVID Made Me Do It. COVID made me do it. Because basically I'm doing things I would never do before. For example, I actually bought a frozen pizza. I have never. This is I've shocking. You guys have no idea I mean, what I was this 16, means. I did, this but, big news. but now, like, because I feel like the twin, twins want pizza for dinner. I don't necessarily have to go to the store anyway. So I'm I'm buying things I normally would not have bought um, now with COVID. We're doing weird this things, is, this is right? I mean, you're doing. I know I'm doing a lot of things I never would have done before, but I can't. They can't think of them right now. But that's one of them. Isn't it good? Doesn't it feel good to let Absolutely. it go? To let that shit go. Like just to not care. And I'm saying it to you. Can you imagine? I would have pizza. I'm telling you. <laughs> this is cause for celebration. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just getting real, you know, doing things you don't normally do. One thing I miss, you had alluded to it earlier, but about being around people and parties and stuff. I, I miss the hugging. I miss the socializing. I do miss that. But I miss being able 
to just go up to a bar and belly up and order a beverage or go to see music or there were things it's not like I did them all the time because I'm 53 now so it wasn't like I had this you know by nine o'clock I'm looking I'm like ready and (laughs) tired and that's when I used to get ready to go out but I miss the opportunities of having those interactions that I took for granted in so many ways that that I just didn't even think twice about moving freely about the cabin is the expression that I give it but being able to just go into your restaurant and hang out and mingle like that's just the one thing that feels almost cruel to be taken away. Everything else I could probably adjust and adapt and I can have a unibrow and my hair can grow out and you know all those things I could live with, but I do miss that continuity of human connection. Yeah, it's um and it's frightening because we don't know how long it's going to last. And we don't honestly right. we really don't know and I think that we're going to see a real shift. I mean, it's major shifts in so many ways and people are like remember people are being born in this environment so we don't know how long it's going to be but they're going to be people that are not going to know some of the things that we've experienced so it's isn't that wild to think about that wow for you to bring that up i have not thought about it until you just said that there's going to be people that are going to be raised that have no context of life before this pandemic no and and That's think about weird. the poor kids who can't socialize with their friends. They're so they feel so stifled and it's sad and um but it's it's really hurting the little ones that they can't socialize. You know, we'll muscle through this, but little kids I think are really um experiencing COVID um and the lack of socialization. It's it's hard on them. Yeah, and I think the the world it, it's it's so juxtaposed because what's what's harming them has been helpful for us in some ways what what has been the world slowing down for them and what that's meant has meant what the world has opened up and given us and getting creative rediscovering having meaningful conversations having onesies twosies of people over and and delving in deeper and having more meaningful conversations it's just such an interesting thing to see the forces of this duality confronting us in such deep and measured, undeniable ways. I, I kind of marvel at that every day. It feels like the Matrix. I'm like, whoa, look at that. It's side by side. <laughs> well, and you talked about um, death and mourning, and really, there's a piece of our world that's kind of dying right now. And we're all kind of in mourning. And when somebody dies, what you realize is it goes down to the essence, to the very essence of existence. When somebody is on their deathbed, the 50 people they know are not there. Who's at their side? The essence, the people that matter the most. That's all we have. And we're getting, life is getting stripped down to that, okay? We're all starting to feel, wow, this is really all there is the shopping for the outfits or the fancy things or the entertainment, all that, it's extra. We are, we're dealing with the essence of what living is. And um, people, some are finding it hard. Some are finding it joyful. Um, No matter what, it's going to be life-changing, I think. I agree. It already is. It already has. We just have no idea how, because there's too many layers of uncertainty within every aspect of a human existence between where you live, how you live, how you work, 
who you correspond with, how you connect socially, what does that look like? How do you spend your time? Everything's on the table. Yep. And we have to assess every single thing, you know, every single interaction. We have to decide, is it worth it? The essence. Yeah. You know? Yep. Well, maybe there's other things that are going to come for you from this. Maybe there's a new book or maybe there's, um, and it has nothing to do with cooking. Maybe it has to do with something else or maybe, I don't know. There's so many things I see in people when I talk to them and see who they are at their essence without what they're doing. Right. Which is how I can see you now in this moment. Not be defined by what you do. Although what, I do is really the essence of who I am. So um, I think that uh, mothers will be reborn and I will go back to that and it will be, it will be revitalized, but not today and not tomorrow and not next month, maybe, and not next, maybe not the beginning of next year. And we just have to hold out. I pray my landlord continues to be understanding right now they are, and I'm just paying triple net. So I can survive there um, and uh, just pray for the day that we can feel comfortable being near each other again. <laughs> That'll be cool. Yeah, that's what it comes down to, being comfortable to be near each other again. That's the yeah. wish. Is there anything else you want to add or share or convey or connect with? Or um, Do you have any burning questions for me? I don't know. I don't <laughs> I kind of feel like you that you bought frozen pizza was sort of my mic drop moment. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. No, I don't know where I can go with that because well, that, that think, if you know Lisa, that just says everything. Well, I'm really grateful my husband does the keto diet because if he was a if he was a sweet eater, the boys and I would be baking brownies and goodies every minute. I really would. I would be a boat, but Thankfully, we're trying to be healthy. And the pizza, the frozen pizza happened because that way I don't have to go to the pizzicata where a pizza and go buy a whole pizza that I'll be tempted to have a bite of. This, at least, it's small enough that I know just the boys will eat. But, um, yeah. Well, with, that, with you saying about the baked goods, I was like, damn, I'm going to, like, go buy Lisa's because she's <laughs> hanging around home. And I bet I could pick up some, you know, well, actually, <laughs> good lemon. Well, you know, you have have Mother's Best, my cookbook. Yeah. Do you ever bake? Well, yeah, but I've been trying not to as well in this. I don't want the the COVID calories, but. Yep, yep, yep. Because I, 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 you know, I cracked open the book to make the brownies with my boys and I I remembered how easy it was. It's like, you know, people use mixes when it's so easy to just simply melt some chocolate with butter, add some flour and eggs Mm. and bam, you got brownies. I might have to do that now. And you make no, it sound no. so easy. <laughs> You're it so is. good. So good. Going into her restaurant, you would see the gleaming counter and cases full of just treats. And then she posts these pictures of these marshmallow concoction, some more things that she's put or whatever, the cheesecakes. Or- oh, the whoopie pies. Yes. Whoopie pies. <laughs> Marshmallow fluff filled chocolate. Yes. Cookie. Yes. That was a favorite. Yeah. See, now I'm going to have to go and find something. I'm going to have to go and I'll, I'm, I, I refuse to go to the gas station and slum it with a hostess honey bun. Those used to be no. my guilty pleasures when I was like 12. Well, I'm from the East Coast, so it would be Entman's. And, and, and tasty, tasty cakes. What about Debbie's, little Debbie's? Uh, no, nah, nah, not a thing. 
not a thing. Philly, I'm from Philly. Tasty cakes. Well, I'm so happy we had a chance to catch up. I've I've been thinking about you and wondering how you've been faring. I'm I'm friends with Jana and Paul DeCarly, and so we we we've gotten together and have talked restaurant world, and I have a few other friends who own restaurants, and so my heart and mind and hope has been that this has been something that has provided some insight and blessing with the chance to slow down. So I'm glad to hear that's true. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure (laughs) catching up with you, honey. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. I've had a fantastic time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. For questions or comments, reach me at janalopez.com. And when you're having a moment of identity doubt, just remember that seeing is relieving.